Hey, I hope you are doing well. Welcome to another episode of the Bible in Life podcast. Today on the episode, we're going to talk about one of the more common Christian ideas and one of the more destructive or damaging Christian ideas, and that is this idea that you have a secular life, and you don't. And when we realize that and live accordingly, oh, it can make life so, so much better. So that's where we're going on the episode. But before we jump into that, I want to share with you uh, something that I just think could potentially be really, really helpful to you, particularly if you're a pastor or an elder in a church or a missionary. And that's this. As many of you know, I have uh, courses available for a subscription uh, for churches and for ministries. And the reason I started doing that was because uh, the church I previously pastored at, we were baptizing 100, 120 people a year, and we had no really solid mechanism for helping ground them in their faith. And the reality is, is as great as small groups are, they're better at uh, building relationships and maybe some ongoing just encouragement and training than they are grounding people in the fundamentals of following Jesus and what it means to be his disciple and, and how we do that. And so we had small groups and they were helpful, but we didn't have really anything else. We tried classes and people didn't come. We tried them at different times and people's lives are busy. And finally, I had this idea. Why don't we just put resources where people actually live? on their computer, on their phone, on their tablet, on the internet. And that was the genesis of my online courses. And so when I transitioned out of that ministry, I just decided I'm going to keep doing that on my own. I'm going to figure out a way to do that. And I'm going to try to make that useful and helpful to people. And and so now I have a number of churches that subscribe to my courses in order to help their people grow in the faith or ground people in the faith, even to develop some of the leaders in their church, they're really just a key part of their discipleship process. One pastor, Brian, who is in Western Oregon, he, he wrote this. He said, after stepping into the pulpit as a lead pastor, after spending 16 years as a children's pastor, I was surprised, he says, at how many adults I met who struggle with the basics of Christian doctrine and basic practices of the faith and a solid understanding of the Bible. He says, I struggled along for several years trying to disciple other people using various resources and tools that I came across. And then I was introduced to John's core training for Christians curriculum. And I have been so impressed with the strides my discipleship group has taken since we made the switch to John's resources. The members have loved the videos as they are simple to follow, easy to understand, and yet deep in content. On top of that, I myself have personally grown from John's insights into God's Word. Thank you, John, for this great resource. And so I rejoice in hearing that. That's so encouraging to me to know that those courses are being useful there in that church and in that ministry. And I know they're being used in various churches like that, whether they're used in small groups, whether they're used in one-on-one discipleship or discipleship groups. They're being used in a variety of ways. And so I, I... I started this because I really believe we need to have resources like this to help people grow in the faith. And so if that sounds like it might be helpful to your church, your uh, your ministry, then, man, reach out to me. I'll put a link down in the notes below to the page that gives a little bit more information. But feel free to shoot me an email. We could even talk a little bit more about it and just see if it would really be useful and helpful to you. Uh, as a way to help grow people in their faith, ground people in the faith, develop people so that they can follow Jesus more fully and more completely. There are four core courses available that way, and a subscription gives everybody in the church access to those resources so that anybody and everybody can use them to help them learn Christ.
All right, let's jump into today's episode of The Bible in Life. on this episode, I want to help you see your life differently. Not just part of your life, your whole life. I want to frame it up so that your whole life looks different and feels different. So that's where we're going to go on this episode. And to begin, I want you to picture a whiteboard, a whiteboard like in a classroom, all right? So do you see a whiteboard in your mind's eye? Now on the whiteboard, I want you to draw two squares, two boxes, if you will, two squares on that whiteboard. All right, now that you got two squares on that whiteboard, I want you to label each square, label one sacred and label the other secular. So one box is labeled sec- sacred, it's the sacred box. One box is labeled secular, it's the secular box, all right? You got those two boxes. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to fill in both boxes. Uh, think maybe back over the last week or so. Think over the the, the last handful of days, your life What goes in the sacred box? Put some things that, all right, here's what goes in the sacred box for me. What goes in the secular box for me? Put some of those activities, some of those things in your life that are secular and those things in your life that are sacred, all right? So fill in those two boxes. Got some things listed off in there. All right, now, here's what I want you to realize is that this way of framing up your life, framing up your world, is really a modern construction. It's not very old. It's a byproduct of modern philosophy uh, that grew out of really the 16, 17, 1800s. And it's not necessarily the only way, even the best way to frame up our life. That there is two different parts to our life. There's the sacred life and the secular life, and there's a divide between them. And so we have sacred activities and we have secular activities. And uh, the sacred activities are obviously explicitly religious and spiritual things, things like praying, things like reading our Bible, things like going to church, things like going to a small group or a Bible study, right? Those are sacred activities. And then we have our secular activities. Those are the things we have to do just to deal with the normal responsibilities of life, doing the laundry, mowing the lawn, paying the bills, going to our job, right? Going to school, doing homework. Those are secular things. So we've got sacred things and we've got secular things. And sacred things are explicitly religious and spiritual and have to do with God. Secular things are just normal, everyday, sort of mundane things that really have no religious or spiritual basis. And that is an incredibly common way to look at our life, to frame up our life, to frame up our world. There's secular spaces and there's sacred spaces. There's secular activities and there's sacred activities, right? And oftentimes we frame up our life that way, even as Christians. And yet when we have a fully, genuinely biblical worldview, our life would be much more integrated than that. And we would all of a sudden realize everything is spiritual. 
Everything is sacred. I don't have a sacred and secular divide in my life. I don't have two lives, a sacred life and a secular life. I have one life, and that life, if I'm a follower of Jesus, that life is spiritual. That life, therefore, is sacred. In fact, when we talk about biblical theology, New Testament theology, uh, this is not the exact same thing as sacred and secular, but it's uh, related to it and it affects it. Uh, this whole idea of flesh versus spirit, flesh and spirit. When you read the, the writings of the Apostle Paul, do you realize that Paul doesn't think that if you're a follower of Jesus, you're both flesh and spirit in the sense of you have a fleshly nature and you have a spiritual nature and you're either feeding the flesh or feeding the spirit. The Apostle Paul doesn't believe that. He doesn't teach that. Your pastor may teach that. You may have taught that. You may think that. <clears throat> Excuse me. But the Apostle Paul does not. He writes, for example, in Romans chapter 8, that you are, uh, he describes kind of what the flesh is like, right? But then he says, but you are not of the flesh. You are not indeed, uh, you're not of the flesh if indeed the spirit of Christ dwells in you. It's just the same thing in Romans chapter 7. You're not of the flesh, but of the spirit. And so Christians are not of the flesh. They are of the spirit. And thus their whole life is spiritual. Um, we have the Holy Spirit of God. And so you have a you have one life, not a sacred life or a secular life. You have a life. That life is either following the ways of the fallen world around us, it's of the flesh, or it's following the ways of Christ and the Spirit, and it's spiritual. It's, it's not uh, both and, it's either or. Uh, and so this way of framing up the world and framing up our life, sacred and secular, though it's not exactly those same two categories as flesh and spirit, is just not the best way to think about our life in a full biblical worldview. When God made the world and created the Garden of Eden, right, Genesis chapters 1 and 2, and God would walk with Adam and Eve in the garden in the cool of the evening, there wasn't any, there wasn't any separation between tending the garden, right, and working in the garden and being a human being and uh, their religious life. They, they were all spiritual, right, that there, there was, it was all sacred, that Everything was integrated, and there was this connection just between them and God and God and them, and their whole life revolved around God. That was really the way God intends life to be for human beings, that we have this relationship with God, and this world is infused with the glory of God. Now, because of sin and the fall, that has obviously been disrupted, but what God is doing in Christ is he's repairing all that and putting that back together. When you look, for example, at the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, and you look at God's instruction to Israel in the Old Testament, you see all sorts of secular things listed off that God cares about and God teaches them about. Things as mundane and as simple as make sure you put like a little 18-inch, two-foot-high barrier around the roof of your house. Why? Because a lot of time was spent on the roof of the house. It was a place to kind of sit and hang out as a family and didn't want anyone falling off the roof of the house. So that's pretty profane. That's pretty mundane. That's pretty you know, like bare bones, everyday sort of stuff. God cares about that. There's rules about um, what you do with your field and how you you know burn the edges of your field and how you get rid of the weeds and what do you do with the extra grain and how, right? Like all sorts of what we would call secular things, but they're part of the old covenant. Why? 
because because for God there isn't a division. If if you're going to follow God, then that's going to affect your whole life, not part of it, all of it, because you have one life and it's either offered to God or it's not. And if it's offered to God, then your whole life is spiritual. And if it's not, your whole life is unspiritual. There's not a sacred, secular divide. To paraphrase Abraham Kupier, he said something like this. He said, there is no inch of creation where Christ does not rule and consequently no dimension of our lives in which he is not present. Just think about that. There is no square inch of creation where Christ is not named as king. Christ is king of it all. He rules over all of creation. And what that means, Coupier says, is there's no dimension of our lives in which Christ is not present. He's present in every square inch of it, in every place of it, in every activity. Christ is there, and Christ is with us filling us with his presence and his kingdom. Our whole life is full of Christ. Charles Spurgeon, in 1874, in a sermon, put it like this. Charles Spurgeon said, To a man who lives unto God, nothing is secular. Everything is sacred. He puts on his workday garment, and it's a priestly vestment to him. He sits down to his meal, and it's like eating the sacrament. He goes forth to his labor, his work, and therein he exercises the office of the priesthood. Catch that. Like He goes to his job, and it's like he's a priest offering his worship to God. His breath is incense, and his life is sacrifice, Spurgeon says. He sleeps in the very bosom of God, and he lives and moves in the divine presence. To draw a hard and fast line and say, this is sacred, And this is secular is, to my mind, diametrically opposed to the teaching of Christ and the spirit of the gospel. That's Spurgeon. And that's dead on. That's exactly the point, is that our whole life, if lived unto God, is spiritual. And there's not a hard and fast line between sacred and secular. There's not two boxes. There's a box. Your life, whatever that life is, and it's all lived unto God and thus sacred. Your job is sacred. Your house responsibilities are sacred. Your life responsibilities, as mundane and frustrating as they may seem at times, are sacred when you live your life unto God. In fact, the Apostle Paul said this in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 4-5. through 5. He said, everything created by God is good. Everything. Notice that. Everything created by God is good. We catch that in Genesis 1 and 2, clear back at the beginning when God made the world, God kept saying, and it was good, and it was good, right? Like everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving, for it's made holy by the word of God and prayer. And so everything can be holy, right? Made holy by the word of God and prayer when we receive with thanksgiving. Or again, here is here is the ultimate passage on this. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says, Whether you eat or drink, whether you have breakfast, right? Like whether you eat or drink, when you're eating breakfast, lunch, dinner, the, the most basic mundane activities of life, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Live it all unto God. 
for him, for his honor, for his purposes. That's what we're called to be about as Christians. And so your whole life is lived under God and lived unto God as his child, as his son or daughter. And so your whole life, therefore, is spiritual, is full of Christ, is full of the Spirit, that we, as God's people, don't have a secular life. We have a sacred life. We have a whole life lived unto God, and it's sacred, and it's beautiful, and it's good. Doesn't that frame up your life differently? Doesn't that make some of the activities of your life just look different and feel different, right? Like your whole life is spiritual. And so as you're doing your life, going about the most everyday, common, mundane things, you just do it unto God. Uh, doing the laundry, taking out the trash, doing the dishes, mowing the lawn, paying the bills, getting up early, getting ready for work, going to the job, doing your work on your job, as Spurgeon said, can be your priestly offering to God. Like your whole life is worship. And so let me just offer just a few little suggestions for how we can live that way, live that mindset out, right? Like, how can we do that? Not that I have this mastered, because I don't, and I'm still trying to figure it out. But I think removing the barrier between sacred and secular really helps. And then here's just some suggestions for maybe trying to keep that going and live that out. One is, welcome God into every moment. Welcome God into every moment, being mindful that he's present there with you, and then inviting him intentionally into it. Not because not because he's not there, but because he, he's a gentleman and he wants to be welcomed into your life. So being mindful of his presence, right? Being mindful that he's there, pausing occasionally and just taking a breath and remembering God and remembering that he, and, remember, and remembering to invite him into this activity, remembering that he's doing it with you, right there with you and offering your everyday activities back to him, right? Like offering it to him as a sacrifice of praise, thanking him for it, thanking him for the strength that you're able to do it, thanking him for the job that you have, for the work you have, for your kids, for whatever it is, right? Like offering it to him and thanking him for it. So welcome God into every moment. Another suggestion is make pleasing God your primary aim. Make pleasing God your primary aim so that Though you have other people you have to satisfy and please, your boss, right, your creditors, what are your, your kids, you got to take care of them. But your primary aim is pleasing God with the activities of your life, whether you're singing songs of praise and worship, whether you're paying your bills, doing the dishes or doing your job or doing your homework, right, going to class. Just make pleasing God your primary aim so that when you do your homework, you do it in a way that it's like, I want to honor God and please God with my homework. Or so that when you are taking care of your kids or when you're watching that show, you're mindful of, does this please God? And can I do this in a way that honors God and pleases God? Do it all for the glory of God, as the Apostle Paul says. So make pleasing God your primary aim. And then closely related to that, I just don't know another great way to say this. So just to take the language of the Apostle Paul, walk by the Spirit in everything you do, right? Since you are of the Spirit, not of the flesh, walk with and in and by the Spirit in everything you do, in every activity. Just let the Spirit be your walking partner. 
And as you enter into that, that activity, do so with the Spirit. And as you do that, what does the Apostle Paul promise in Galatians chapter 5, one of the key texts about walking by the Spirit? As you do that, then the Spirit's fruit gets produced in your life. There'll be more love. There'll be more joy. There'll be more peace and patience and kindness, right? Like the, the Spirit's fruit will begin to grow in you as you walk in partnership with the Spirit in everything you do, in all of your life, in explicitly religious activities and in everyday activities, right? Like whatever you do, you're just doing it unto God by the Spirit and by the help and the strength and in partnership with the Spirit. So walk with and by the Spirit in everything you do, because he's with you, and he's your walking partner in this thing we call life. And that's what you have. You have a life, not a sacred life and a secular, not a spiritual life and an, and a normal, everyday, regular life. You have a life, and it's either spiritual, as you walk with the Spirit, or it's not. And so offer it all to God, and be mindful of him in your life, because you don't have a secular life. You have a sacred life. God is with you. He is present. So honor him with your life. Hey, thanks for tuning into this episode of the Bible Life Podcast. And thanks again to all of you who make this ministry possible through your prayers, through your generous donations and support. God bless you guys. I hope you have a great week in Christ. I will talk to you again next week.